Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is the two worlds of the mundane and the magical. As witches, those of us on the path work to learn how to move easily between the world of the mundane and world of the magical. The magical is where we perform spells, practice ritual, and commune with the internal and external divine. The mundane is where we live and work on a daily basis, as well as experience the changes worked for on the magical. The hedge is the metaphorical boundary between these two worlds. Literally, the hedge was a boundary between the safe, known world of a village, mundane, and the unknown, often intimidating world of the outside, or unfamiliar, magical. Witches were often seen as hedgewalkers because they either choose to live outside these safe societal boundaries or pass easily back and forth, never really fitting completely into the life of a village. However, they were often consulted for matters that dealt with the outside. In reality, a hedge isn't a highly effective boundary for keeping anything out because it is porous. We believe this can explain many of the synchronicities that show up in the mundane world, reminding us of the existence of magic, and this explains how needed change starts in the magical and moves to the mundane for manifestation. This may also explain how correspondences from the mundane are used to represent what is needed on the magical for spells to manifest. The idea of learning the balance needed for effectively moving back and forth between the two worlds is one of the most important ideals of the path. Spending too much time focusing on everyday life in the mundane, with all its accompanying responsibilities and duties, makes it more difficult to find and access the magic inside and within the magical world. Spending too much time focusing on the magical side of things leaves one unable to focus on the practical aspect of mundane living and can make us careless about personal needs and responsibilities. Finding that balance between is a skill that takes time to practice, to respect, and develop. Tonight, we're going to start our discussion on the two worlds of the mundane and the magical. We've been focusing with the last podcast episodes more specifically about the types of energies we work with. And in our Traditions of the Path book, it's our metaphysical kernels of thoughts are kind of divided into sections. And this section that we're starting with now focuses more on concepts upon which we base some of our major beliefs. Is the best. Oh, this will be. This is this is going to be fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to start out with figuring out the concepts, and then you can figure out why we need the beliefs to go with them. 
and what we believe about them once we've kind of defined and figured out what they are? I'm with you. Okay. So today we got the two worlds of the mundane and the magical. When you think about it, that mundane is that everyday physical existence that has linear time and arthritis and children and jobs luggage <laughs> and grocery store and all that everyday stuff that make us human. <laughs> you know? And then the magical is the side where we can go and do spells and perform ritual and experience that transcendent state that they talk about all the time and commune more easily with our internal and a spark that wants to connect to the external. Even before I became part of the podcast for the last, I'm going to say, better part of a year, my focus has been more and more on trying to not be from moment to moment, either in the magical or in the mundane, but kind of, you know, like the, the model of the hedge, walking the hedge or in my, my thoughts, straddling the hedge where I have one foot in both mm -hmm. and I realize I can't stay there because I'm always going to be pulled one direction or another. But that being the ideal where, where I can embrace the magical in my mundane mm -hmm. and I can recognize the mundane in my magical. Yes. And the whole idea is the poor, the porousness allows, I, we think kind of those are where those synchronicities that we talk about all the time come from. Those little aha moments is kind of leaking from the magical into the. So instead of, instead of a wall, it's a hedge for a reason in that it needs to be able to organically pass energy back and forth through it. Yes, exactly. I had never, I had never thought about that way and actually phrased it. So I think I said that for Dave, you know. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great way to put it. I mean, because it's porous, stuff goes back and forth. That's why we can find a correspondence on the mundane that relates to the physical that we can take into our magical practice to stand for something else on the magical and then have it manifest in the mundane again. I had never thought about associations or correspondences that way. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I can almost like connect the dots in between the leaves of the hedgerow with many of my different correspondences from the mundane to the magical. And back again. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of neat. And you talk about straddling the hedge. It goes back to that ideal of balance, which we talk about all the time. Well, it's, it's something I was going to mention. Um, you know, we it's it's assumed when I started looking at things this way, it's assumed that I can sit on that balance and the mundane world is going to, at some time or another, yank me away from writing that line. And I understand that life happens, you know, horn tongue <laughs> stuff happens. But I hadn't really until more recently recognized that there are times when the magical can reach up and grab me and yank me off of that balance just as real or have just as real of an impact as it does on the mundane side mm -hmm. in that I was in the middle of really getting something done and now I'm having amazing chanting thoughts, but I'm not getting any of my stuff done. <laughs> so understanding kind of where to have my focus and where to want to have my focus, if that makes sense. It does, actually, because we talk about in this particular thought that we can get stuck in the mundane. You know, everyday life 
tends to have a real impact on us at times and we get dragged down into routine and stuff we have to do the job and everything else and we can lose sight of the magical a little bit not lose it completely but it's not a, it's not our initial thought or it's not our it's not a big part of what we're, we're getting through right now and the same is true we can get so wrapped up in magical practice and talking about the magical and doing all sorts of ritual and trying spells and so on that we get kind of stuck for one of the word on the other side too much. And then we get what we get. We lose our ability to manage our personal responsibilities because the magical, our personal responsibilities on the magical side of things are to use magic to experience our internal spark, all of those things that we associate with ritual and practice and all of that. And that's great and wonderful, but you have to remember too that it, if you're doing a spell, it starts on the magical, but it has to manifest in the mundane. Otherwise, why did you do it? Well, and, and that's kind of what I was referring to earlier with the, the connect the dots through the hedge. I, I need to see an arrow and know that we are going from here to here. Okay. Yeah. I, I may, maybe that's just me, but with those crisscrossing holes in the hedge, I need to know that some of these are connecting one way and some of these are connecting the other way because it is important. Yeah, and that, that's another aspect of balance. There has to be, like, for want of a better word, an ingress and an egress, a way into each side and a way out of each side. Sure. So yep. Move things flow. I have this Paul Bunyan walking over the top of a hedgerow image in my head for some reason right now. <laughs> All I can think about is like cells and how things, certain things are meant to pass into and out of the cells through particular like protein gates or lipid gates. Um, oh, sure. Yep. And you have to have the right like key that fits into that particular piece for you to get in or out or whatever it is to get in or out. And I think that's kind of like your arrows in that respect. Yep, they have to be in the right place for the response to them to be the right response. Exactly. And you do too. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the big piece of it. And and as I said, it's all about respecting the balance and knowing too that, like you said, you're going to get yanked back and forth because perfect balance is an ideal. In, on the path. There's, we're never going to be perfectly balanced and stay that way. Well, and we just learned in, in ritual, you and I, the other night, that we can be well in balance in certain aspects of our lives and yet completely out of balance in other aspects. I mean, we are Multi all in the universe on yeah. every spectrum in every aspect, you know. Well, it's that fancy word. We're all multifaceted individuals. And you leave my facets out of this. Okay, fine. But you know what I mean. <laughs> of course I do. Yeah. And, and I like, I mean, granted, next time we're going to literally specifically focus on balance. But the whole idea, again, bringing it back to the idea of there's a magical side of things and there's a mundane side of things. And sometimes that hedge allows you to shift your focus depending on, like you said, you're straddling. But sometimes you're going back and forth. Sure. It's like when you you go into ritual, you end up on the magical side of things. So you have gone through the hedge and there's like a boundary. And now I'm in that time without a time and in a space without a space and I'm doing ritual. 
So I'm all on the magical, and then I come back through the hedge into the mundane and ground myself back to what, for a better word, is phys our physical reality. Very often changed in some way, or we've done magic that we bring with us so that it can manifest on the mundane. Right. I was I was just quiet there for a minute because the way you described being in that time with her, that, that place without a time and whatnot, mm -hmm. that that description that you used for the magical could be exactly the same description that I use for the place I am when I'm meditating. Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting that yeah, okay, that makes sense in, in, in my life, in Dave's life, when I am fully into a meditation. Oh yeah, I am absolutely 100% purely magical and there is no mundane. No. Um, and I embrace the, the feeling when I am there that that is really the me and this mundane is just a temporary vehicle for this set of lessons. Yes. Precisely. You know, and as I said, if you want stuff to manifest, on, it has to manifest somewhere. Absolutely, yep. And, and let's be honest, the reason we tend to do spells is to help change something in our lives that we're currently living on this planet, as it were. Right. Most of our spell work involves management of our mundane lives. Yes. And exactly. I, I, I almost want to say that 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 shouldn't be that way and maybe that's a topic for a completely different day but yeah. yeah how much of our magical how much of our magical time and energy do we spend on purely magical or philanthropic you know world peace kind of prayers as opposed to you know taking care of a new set of tires for the car or whatever you know Yes. Well, you also have to think you have to think in terms of like a microcosm and a macrocosm as above so below Sure. Yep. If if my tires don't, if you're thinking of it in terms of say climate change, if I don't have good tires, I'm going to burn more gas. I'm going to contribute more to the fossil fuel issue. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So if I magically say, you know, I need X to get these tires so that my car runs the optimum that it can, so that I am not, I am polluting the atmosphere less. So your general general intention is of green or philanthropic intent. Yeah, sometimes, not always, because sometimes. I, I, sometimes I just want you. I just yeah. want you and the kids to be safer. That's all. Oh yeah. Well, I know that. No, but I'm just saying in general. <laughs> in general, when you think about it, you can not necessarily spin it that way. It's kind of an unintended consequence of the fact that I need new tires, or sure. fifty dollars to pay my phone bill. If my phone bill is paid, I'm going to be less stressed. I'm not going to snap at people around me. So I am encouraging peace in my little corner of the planet. Ripples of happy, David. Ripples of happy. You yeah. need to spread ripples of happy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you get the point. It's like if you drop that pebble in the pond, the ripples spread. Yep. Well, that's just a pebble. That's that's just a personal mantra or metaphor for me lately because I know from from the years and, and the lifestyle in many cases, I know I have this face that looks like I'm always upset and sort of grumpy, 
Yes. So I'm trying to go out of my way to project ripples of happy, ripples of happy, and, and trying to add that mantra as part of my my chi or my glamour when I go forth to the world is being, instead of a passive reflector of light, I actually want to intentionally turn on my beacon. I like if it. That, if that makes sense. It does, because then your internal spark grows stronger. You're going to connect more with the external, and people will respond to that. In a well, and I think I'm going. I think I'm going to interact with people better if I'm coming from that place of light. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, and like I said, it's that pebble in the in the pond. You're focused. Ripples on, of happy. You're focused on just you. Want that? You've dropped that pebble. You focused on one little mundane issue. You don't necessarily think about the fact there's going to be all these ripples yep. that create all sorts of effects that you had never even considered. Well, and especially if I make them ripples of happy, so exactly, yes. um, and that that kind of brings us back to back and forth between the the mundane and the magical. Sure, it does. I mean, that's one of the. I think that's one of the fun parts about being a witch is we have worked hard to develop our belief in and awareness of. There's the magical. Well, and, and we recognize that there are silly mundane things that we do that. You know, we don't actually say to each other as witches or point these things out until you talk about them. But like laughter, you know, when you walk into a room and begin to laugh, that's spellcasting and it works. Sure. You know, there is so much magic in many of the things that we do. Exactly. And I think that's like you said, it's, it's an un, and I think when you do stuff like that, you are unconsciously straddling that hedge better. Because you're pulling from the magical into the mundane. You're manifesting more. If that Absolutely. Makes sense. And that connection and that pathway grows stronger, just like a just like a root or just like a muscle. Uh-huh. More leaves on the hedge when you think about it. When you're creating sure. pathways, there's more leaves on the hedge. It's constantly growing. And I think that's a good way to describe it more than anything else. We talk about balance. We talk about how... We can be in the magical doing ritual. We talk about how we want to manifest it in the mundane. And what do we have to do to get it there? And I think that's a big part about the hedge is recognizing you. Sometimes it takes work on the magical. It's not all, you know, try a lot of sweetness and light and birds and rainbows. Well, and it's not a plane. It has width or depth or however you want to look at it. And I know we've talked about, you know, visual models and some uh, people don't use them or whatnot. But, it's yeah, the hedge has some dimension to it. There, there's, for me, that needs to be where the magic is able to uh, affect the mundane. Yes. In that sort of gray area. It's that in between. It has to start somewhere. You know, you, you, you do a spell on the magical, you want it to manifest on the mundane. There has to be a transition where it stops being purely magical and starts to become mundane. And I think sometimes that hedge or that metaphor of that porous hedge is that boundary where it makes that shift. That makes sense. I like it when you're thinking. I can see you thinking. I wish people could see. It's like the face. Goes, <laughs> oh, I got it now. And it, it makes me happy. Because uh, one of the best parts, I think, for me about doing this podcast with you is having the chance to sometimes fill in the blanks for you. 
sure, absolutely. Why why we think the way we think on the map and kind of how we got there. <laughs> you know, and I think we've been, and as you joke, we've been indoctrinating you for years on the periphery when you weren't paying attention. We were actually seeping into it so that you were ready when you were ready. I think it had a lot to do with cinnamon apple bars and lemon poppy seed cake, personally. I think you've been putting the stuff into cake batter for years, but it's okay. okay. I've been eating it. I'm all good. You've not been drinking the Kool-Aid, you've been eating the bread. Okay, I like that metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well. I think we've pretty much covered everything, unless you have any questions or want to sum up things. No, I've I've already hit the points that I had jotted down as notes. Hey, good for you. I apologize to folks for the uh, the odd accent today. It's been a a sinus turbulent week for me. Oh, that's a good way to describe that. So, like I like to say, may you find mercy and reverence in all things. Be safe, be blessed, and be loved. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witch Stone Spotlight, We'll be looking at the stone card for Spirit Hand. Concept stone cards focus on an aspect of the craft rather than a specific physical energy. The Spirit Hand stone card is the seventh of eight mental concept stone cards of the Witchstone Oracle that relate to the energy of thoughts or processes. It displays a pictograph of a black hand rising from a red line of spirit and surrounded by a white and black border. The border being split, white over black, tells us that this is a concept card. The border being white over black, or air over earth, tells us that this card represents a mental concept. Learning to work with different spirit energies is a part of walking the path, and there are many different kinds available. Working with spirit requires developing the ability to be patient, to wait for answers because they often do not show up when they when you want them to, and remembering to be grateful for any messages you receive. Messages can include confirmation you are on the right path or different ways to work with things you have been practicing. We believe that working with spirit in all its forms enhances your appreciation of the magical and a deeper personal awareness of where you come from and where you may be going next. The spirit hand represents reaching out for some type of connection whether it is with an energy or with a knowledge. This makes its energy projective because your desire is going out into the universe. And as it is projective, the energy is associated with the light half of the year. The spirit hand card is associated with the full moon. The spirit hand represents thoughts and ideas when reflecting on the element of air. The spirit hand represents personal development when reflecting on the element of earth. The seen energy for the spirit hand stone card in a reading is ancestors, contact with spirit, and recovering sacred lore. 
The path believes there are two kinds of ancestors, your personal ones from whom you are genetically descended and your spiritual ones who are those who walk the same spiritual path you are on before you. Ancestors may mean you have developed a better appreciation of who you are as a result of ancestor work. Contact with spirit may mean you will be receiving a message soon. And recovering sacred lore may mean that your work with new information may reveal past knowledge or practices that might be beneficial to you. The unseen energy for the spirit hand stone card in a reading is ancestors, psychically closed off, and hidden knowledge available to you. Again, the path believes there are two kinds of ancestors, your personal ones from whom you are genetically descended, and your spiritual ones who are those who walked the same spiritual path as you do now. In this reading, ancestors may mean you might benefit from figuring out which of your ancestors you value and why. Psychically closed off may mean that you are not currently able to connect with your intuition, which can be thought of as the basis for contact with spirit, and you may need to take a look at what is closing you off. Hidden knowledge available to you may mean you have the knowledge and just need to look at what you have been given. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint, just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is my own take on a centuries-old bit of idiom. Thank my lucky stars. First, a brief history. Thanking my lucky stars is said to be to be grateful for good fortune. In ancient and medieval times, the stars were believed to have powerful influence over the lives and destinies of human beings. Thanking them for good fortune, therefore, was a bit of superstitious politeness. Ben Johnson used the term, I thank my stars for it, in his play, Every Man Out of His Humor, in the year 1599. The modern variant came into use during the last century and is more an expression of general relief and emerging unscathed from some dilemma than a belief in celestial influence. Now back to today. When was the last time that you thanked or wished on a lucky star? Do you have a particular star that you are compelled to look for when you see the sky? In my world, especially the daytime world, my lucky star is the most obvious soul, our own sun. We are lucky in that every day it warms, feeds, and fuels the lives of those of us here on Earth. And if there ever comes a day when the sun doesn't rise, that day will probably not be very lucky for us. But what do we look for when the sun is down? It's easy to use the moon if it's feasible, as we know that the light that we see from the moon is actually reflected sun or starlight. But for myself, I've always had an affinity for the constellation Orion, the hunter. And as it sits near enough to celestial equator, it can be seen from both hemispheres most of the year. Since I was a little boy, I've whispered my thoughts, prayers, concerns, or intentions to that great hunter, Orion, and particularly for me to the three stars of Orion's belt. 
So it's important to remember that we all have our own lucky stars, and they are there for us every day and every night without fail to hear our heart's desires. For now, be safe, be blessed, and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter. Until then, then, remember, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So, so it be. Do.